welcome back to another episode of Live a Legacy podcast, a project brought to you by the Andrew Goodman Foundation. This is the last episode of the season, and if you haven't had a chance to go and listen to all the other episodes, we have some incredible guests that were featured this season and last season. Um, you have nine whole episodes now of Live a Legacy podcast where we talk to people who were organizing for voting rights 50 years ago, today, and future activists. Um, there's a lot of great content, and I encourage everybody once again to go and check out the rest of the episodes. On today's episode, we are joined by Rev Yearwood Jr. Rev Yearwood is the president and CEO of Hip Hop Caucus. He's also the host of the award-winning climate and environmental justice podcast, The Coolest Show, and an influential leader in politics. Through his experience as a minister, community activist, and U.S. Air Force veteran, Rev has shaped public policy and built diverse, powerful movements for and with those most impacted by social justice. This last episode of this season of Live a Legacy podcast focuses on climate and democracy how those two are related and why it's so important for young people to go and vote and use their voice to stop the climate emergency. It's through our power, through our collective power, that we will make change for future generations through shifting policy, shifting narratives, and taking real action to stop the climate emergency. So without further ado, please take a listen to this week's episode. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. And um, I am Rev Year with President of Hip Hop Caucus, and you know it's funny. I love hip hop. Uh, that's kind of one of my one of my fun things. You would think that's actually part of your work, but a lot of my work is around policy and politics and fighting the good fight. And so you don't get as much time to really dive into the culture. And so I love to hear old hip hop. I love new hip hop. Um, I just love it all. And I love the culture. I love poetry. So I think I like to just, you know, dig deep into the crates, as they would say, on my side and, and, and check out all what's happening on the hip hop cultural side, particularly now with the um, aspects of, of art and just how folks have been moving from literally graffiti and taking that inside to the galleries. That's exciting. And so for me, as it's been checking it all out, just the evolution of hip hop and hip hop turns 50 next year. So it's exciting. That's awesome. I love that. Um, speaking of hip hop, you started something called the hip hop caucus. Um, do you mind just letting the listeners know what that is? Like, and also maybe the story behind it, like how did that start? Why did it start? Um, and maybe a little bit of what it's doing today. Yeah, I was working with some pretty high level people before uh, Jay-Z on a campaign called Voice Your Choice, and P. Diddy on a campaign called Citizen Change. And that would produce a, a project called Voter Die, which became really famous um, some years ago at during the 2004 election. And many, many others I was working with. And so after the 2004, really almost during the 2004 election, it was clear that we wanted to continue this aspect of using one's um, cultural expression to shape one's political experience. And so that was really kind of the, the center of everything that we were doing. And so 
then the Hip Hop Caucus was created in 2004. Uh, and then we've been pushing ever since. And it wasn't an easy ride. I mean, it, it still could be a little bumpy at times. But I think the reason why it has become an amazing organization has won so many awards for so many different things. We won an award for our work through Hurricane Katrina, the Taya Moffitt Human Rights Award. We won awards for our work around democracy and our campaign that now the longest running voting campaign called Respect My Vote. We've won campaign for our climate work and this on and on and on. And I think the reason for that though, because we center um, our communities who are oppressed and our communities who are dealing with fighting for change. And because we've done that and we use culture, it creates a very powerful tool. And so Hip Hop Caucus is, you know, it's growing. Uh, it's, you know, it's doing this thing. I'm actually kind of probably grandfathered in we have, we have new leadership throughout the organization, mostly Gen Z and millennials. So I think they let me just hang on because I was there in the beginning. I don't know, but I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, um, I love all of that. Um, a lot of the work that y'all focus on is around climate justice and environmental justice. Is that correct? It, a part of it. I mean, we are a multi-issue organization because we serve a multi-issue community. So everything from climate, environmental justice, to uh, issues regarding health and education, um, gay and queer rights, um, democracy, women's rights, um, edu uh, student loan debt, everything that, everything that causes you not to have life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. We're right there trying to make sure you can get those things. And so, but climate is very important because if we don't have a planet, uh, that is livable, uh, that's kind of an important thing, or definitely that clean air, clean water thing is kind of important. So that has to be a key focus for us because of the importance of that for our community and for the next generation. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, we have the privilege um, of this episode coming out on Earth Day this year. Uh, so I want to ask just a couple of questions that are climate specific, but I also want to yeah. hold that in the context of these are everything is multi-issued it's all tied in together um but kind of like in in the heart of that uh you know i guess container for this conversation you know most of the episodes of this season of the podcast have been about voting about civic engagement about getting young people to the polls and you know some of our audience might be confused why we're talking about climate now like what is why would we shift to doing something like that um but you and your work have done this beautiful job of mixing, you know, hip hop and culture with, you know, being civically engaged in democracy work as well as environmental work. So could you speak a little bit about why, you know, it's important to make that connection between environmental justice and, um, you know, advocating for voting rights or getting people to the polls? Like why, why is there that connection there? Yeah, it was directly linked. Uh, climate and democracy are directly linked. Um, because a lot of times the same folks who are trying to steal our democracy are also trying to steal our clean air and clean water at the same time. And they're also linked as far as as an intersectional movement. They're linked to other issues as well. So I would always say that racial justice is climate justice and climate justice is racial justice. But democracy is key in that. So, for instance, the same communities, for instance, 68% of people of color, particularly Black people, 
live within 30 miles of a cold fire power plant, literally breathing in the toxins, breathing in the dirty air, literally getting asthma and emphysema and cancer or worse. And because of that, in those communities, they're literally many cases dying. And that means that the fossil fuel industry's business plan is a death sentence for that community. But on top of that, when those communities try to change policy by literally going through the process of democracy and going to vote, a lot of times those same industries then create roadblocks, literally going to politicians to create voting laws or situations that would disenfranchise voters so that those communities who are then being poisoned by the same toxins in their communities don't have the don't have the mechanisms to vote those policies out. And they realize that either you shape policy or policy shapes you. And that's the direct correlation between democracy and climate. I mean, that's literally life or death. I mean, it literally means that they are not able to have a say in the political process. And because of that, literally then are forced to drink uh, in some cases, lead in their water or be subject to hurricanes or wildfires or floods or, or whatever. And so that's the reason why it's critical, because we need to have strong legislation. And they can get out there and they can demonstrate. I mean, they can go out there and march all day, all night. And that's important to do as well. But demonstration without legislation leads to frustration. And so it's critical for them to not only tie the demonstration of fighting against the things that are, that are in their communities, but to create legislation. And the only way you can create legislation is through democracy and through policy and through voting. And so they're, they're linked because you gotta have, you gotta be shaping policy if you wanna change that. But if you are being hindered from doing that, then so they go hand in hand. So we've been literally fighting issues of voter suppression, as well as obviously issues regarding environmental injustice. Yeah, I think nail on the head, right? Like, I think you got it right spot on. When people are denied the right to vote, it becomes harder to advocate for policies that benefit their communities. And those communities are the ones, especially Black and Indigenous communities, are the ones who are being impacted most by climate change. Um, you know, I think we've been fed this false narrative about climate change for years on purpose, that it's like a future problem. Um, but the impacts of it are real and they're happening now. And just like you said, like black communities and communities of color are the ones who are being impacted most by that. And then on top of that, we have lawmakers making it harder to vote. Mm -hmm. So you can't get you yeah. know, the benefits um, to the community by by advocating for policy or things like that. Um, that can all feel really frustrating and it can all feel really like kind of jumbled together. So I guess for the young people listening right now, what are some things that either you and the hip hop caucus are working on to combat, you know, this climate emergency or what are ways that young people can get involved in that fight? Yeah. Well, the first thing you had to acknowledge we're in a climate emergency to begin with, and that we're in a climate crisis. And so that's the first thing. And then once you just simply acknowledge that, then you realize you got to do something about it. And so if it's a caucus, we're doing a, a number of things. So, I'll start with the fun stuff, <laughs> and then I get a little bit more tricky stuff. The fun stuff is that we're really into storytelling and narrative organizing, and so we do a lot around that um, in regards to creating everything from music. We created a, a, a climate album called Home, Heal Our Mother Earth. We have people like Neo and Common and L. Varner and Anthony Smith and many other good folks. Actually, we one of the folks who was actually going to be on that climate album would have been Beyonce. 
Um, and she actually did her song, uh, Sandcastles, which is an environmental song. But she, you know, she put on her album Lemonade. Well, you know, and it's Beyonce, so you can't get mad at that. You know, it is what it is. And so that's one of the things there in that process. And so many other things we're working on are things from documentaries. I'm literally trying to just, and putting them in film festivals and then putting them on streaming services. So we actually created a climate comedy documentary where we had some comedians who went out there who actually kind of made fun of the climate crisis. And you got, you got to watch it. That's just called Ain't Your Mama's Heat Wave. And, you know, hopefully people can check that out. Um, that's a great resource as well. And then we create some more serious documentaries. We have folks like executive producer Dream Hampton, who's working with people like Wanda Sykes and creating a more serious, actually, and still funny, um, documentary, but deals with how housing projects are on the front line of the, class, of the climate crisis called Underwater Projects. And many more things. I mean, so I can go on and on and on about all these projects that we're creating from social media to literally to commercials to working with artists. I mean, so we're doing that. That's the that's kind of and it's not really, I mean, it's fun because it's, you know, it is what it is, but it's very serious for our goals that we're trying to accomplish. Then on the policy side, if they want to get involved, definitely. Right now, it is a key moment that we that climate legislation is at the forefront. And because of the fossil fuel industry, they're literally doing everything they can um, to literally either deny or delay real climate legislation. And so that's where one voting thing comes in. So you got to vote. And two, the other thing is you got to be engaged as far as shaping real climate legislation that can move us forward. Unfortunately, the difference um, from our parents and our grandmothers um, is that they primarily fought for equality. And that's critical. And we're still fighting for equality. But the one thing right now is that we're also fighting for existence. And there's a time clock. And so we don't just have all the time to just get this crisis fixed. And so, of course, because of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change and many other science reports in the UN, they said that we don't have this unlimited time to fix this. And so we got to be real serious to have real legislation. So making sure you find out where you are with your um, either your federal uh, representative or your state or even local. And I think the last thing I just want to just kind of get in there that's really, really important for young people is that they got to realize that this is their lunch counter moment for the 21st century. You know, I use that term because, you know, in the 20th century, the lunch counter was a place that denied particularly Black people and, and brown and indigenous people too, to be honest, from sitting at the lunch counter. Um, and we, it had a segregated mentality, then with Jim Crow. And those young people came together. And we, as we know, it wasn't just the black people, but it was black and white and brown and red, male, female, straight, gay, cis, atheists. Young people, humans came together and said, listen, it is wrong. The lunch counter is segregated. So this is the same thing here with the climate crisis. It's wrong that we have this climate crisis. So we got to make sure do what we got to do. Young people, if they get engaged early, stay engaged. And so we, we want folks to be engaged with the political process throughout their lives. And so what we find out is that if you are engaged when you're 18, and 19 and 20, then you are engaged when you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, upward. So 
I think that's really if that's a secret sauce. Maybe that is a secret sauce, but that's 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 the thing that we try to do. But I think also we realize too that a lot of times for communities that we work with and urban communities and some sometimes some hard pressed communities that if you don't see hope um, and you don't see your voice mattering, sometimes you kind of just you kind of give up and give in. And so we don't want that. And we want them to be speaking truth to power. We want them to see their voice mattering. We want them to see their voice being included in the process. So we think that's really important. And then the last thing to that is that we've seen from Black history. You know, I love all the young folks who are in colleges. You know, that's awesome. I think that's great. But also, I think the young folks who are outside of college, too, are so, so important. So as we see back in the old days, they had Fannie Lou Hamer. And I call it genius outside the academy. Those folks would say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And we need that kind of energy. And we're seeing that right now in the movement for Black lives. Unfortunately, we're seeing, unfortunately, the continuation of issues plaguing us become race and, and gender and economics. And so we need a kind of courage that sometimes may not come from the academy. Um, and, the, and of course, you know, folks that you know you're working with and have been around the philosophy of, of, of Cheney and Goodman and Schwerner, um, those young folks literally giving their lives, literally giving their lives for democracy and for the next generation. And so we need that kind of mentality we need that kind of just that kind of spirit and we need that kind of power so that without that, we can't change anything. We can't do anything. And we're going to be stuck in the same situation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you're absolutely right. We, we do exist to to live the legacy, which is why we named the podcast that right to live the legacy of Andrew Goodman, James Earl Cheney and Michael Schwerner, um, who gave their lives fighting for democracy and the right to vote and, and registering particularly black people in the South to to go to be able to go to the polls. Um, and now there's been like the systemic effort, you know, 55, 60 years later to keep put all these laws back in place to make it harder to vote. And so, um, you know, that's the heart of, of this project in particular is connecting um, what advocate, you know, social justice advocates or democracy advocates or climate justice um, organizers or anything like that, connecting them with this younger audience to say, there's people who have gone before you, there are people who are going to come after you. What What is that thing that you are willing to fight for and willing to put in that effort for? And how can we learn from those that came before us? So, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on here and to discuss some of what you've been working on and what you've been doing uh, to make that change and make that difference. Um, no, with, with, with thank you. You know, we say the hip hop can't stop, won't stop. So <laughs> that's still the motto. That's a great segue because I love to end every episode talking about hope, talking about joy, because there's so many difficult things happening right now. There's so many things that can get us down. And I think in particular, having like a little bit of like an instant gratification culture where like if things aren't happening right now, let's just kind of give up or let's move on and try something else. Um, but hope is a discipline. It's something that we choose to do. It's something that happens over long term. And one of the things that I've always found joy and hope in has been music. So I was thrilled to be able to talk to an artist like yourself about the joy and hope that's found in music um, and how you've not only used that to like spread this really necessary message, but um, to spread hope as well. Like, so I don't know, there's no real question here. Maybe just kind of <laughs> let's what music have you been listening to lately? What's been giving you hope? Like, 
how has that been something that you've been practicing during such incredibly, incredibly difficult times? Yeah, you know, I actually listen to a lot of stuff. I've been at my my playlist is crazy. So it'll go from Childish Cambino to Tracy Chapman to Bob Marley, the public enemy. I mean, it 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 it, it goes all to Kendrick and Beyonce. I mean, I think the key thing here is that to do this work, you got to have hope and you got to have something to pull on that's not yourself. And music helps that because if you don't do that, you become bitter and jaded and cynical. And that's you can't do this work that way. So I would just tell folk that, you know, listen to some of those that I just mentioned, but find something good. If it's not music, find some art, you know, just get outside, hopefully. Uh, air quotes I'm putting up, uh, some clean air <laughs> and get outside and, and enjoy it. But just know that this battle is one that I believe that we can win because I've seen throughout history that organized people beats organized money every single time. And we ain't going, we ain't, we ain't fitting to lose now. Please go to hiphopcaucus.org. I mean, that's the place we would love to work with you. We would love to connect with you. Uh, we would love to use your gifts, your talents to help us in this beautiful struggle. This concludes this week's episode of Live a Legacy podcast. Thank you so much to Reverend Yearwood and his team for joining and collaborating with us on this Earth Day episode. If you liked it, please leave a review and rate us. It helps other people find our podcast that much easier. A special shout out to Tabeek Music for all the music that you heard on today's episode. And until next season, this has been your host, Mo Banks. Thanks for listening.